Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series series check-in for Cubs news, notes, and banter. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Banasek, and I'm a shell of a voice today. I think you left your voice in Chicago. <laughs> I did. I totally did. Yes. I, I, that's what happened. But it was so fun, and I had such a good time seeing you. It was awesome. It was, yes, it was definitely a lot of fun, and I am my my poor voice is paying for it now. Okay, so we're gonna try to get through this episode with as much of Andy's voice intact as possible. Uh, we're gonna just jump right into it. The homestand was so awesome that Andy lost her voice cheering for the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs finished up six and one over the course of seven games and ended it with a three game sweep of the Cardinals, which is always incredible. Nothing we like better than that. Um, they also introduced Craig Kimbrell to Chicago. And I mean, honestly, what more could you possibly want? Um, well, I did not know that he was in Chicago on Saturday. I know. I If we would have known that we might have stocked Wrigley Field a little bit more before the game. I mean, he was literally throwing a bullpen session when we were walking by there. I know. Isn't that wild? That is so wild. Um, you know, and if you haven't watched the video where Theo introduces Craig Kimbrell to Chicago, you absolutely should. It's a really awesome press conference. Uh, they talk a little bit both about how Kimbrell came to his decision to join the Cubs. But the thing that I thought was really interesting here, well, I thought there were a couple of things that were interesting here. The first is that it sounds like the Cubs have a really smart plan not to rush him back. And I think that's really important because, you know, people saw what happened with Cobb and Holland last year when they had long layoffs. I think that the Cubs are being really smart and playing the long game here, giving Kimbrell plenty of time to get used to pitching again and to work his way back to the major leagues so that he doesn't have that type of decline. Andy, what do you think? Yeah. So um, what I was just reading, um, I guess it was Tommy Hadovy was saying that when he was watching Kimbrell pitch on Saturday, he said he looked to be in what would be a really good spring training form. So meaning like, midway through his training for spring training. He was, he was throwing his velocity was great. Um, physically he's in really good shape. So they're not worried about that. It's just more or less, they want him to throw to batters. They want him to, to get that longevity out there make sure he can, you know, pitch in, in situations and all that good stuff. So he'll, he'll do some of that in Arizona for about a week then he'll start having um, start throwing against batters, and then um, they'll send him to Iowa for a little while. And you know what? I just I cannot wait. I mean, I can't wait because I don't want them to rush it, and I trust their judgment. But I can't wait to have him up at the bigs in a Cubs uniform. Okay, speaking of this whole like him pitching to live batters thing in this athletic piece. Uh, that was really good talking about Kimbrell coming back and all of the different parts of it. We're going to talk about another comp few components of that in a minute. One of the things they noted was that apparently, you know, Kimbrell was trying really hard to stay on his routine and throwing and whatnot. And he realized after a little while that he really needed li a live batter to stand in. So he asked his neighbor if he would stand in for him to pitch. And the guy said yes. And the next day he came back and the guy had made like a plywood life-size person to stand in instead i saw that i'm like that is so that is so movie-esque that is so movie-esque like it, it's i mean i, I wouldn't want to stand in that. Like, oh. no god no god no 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 
Oh my gosh. I mean, I, that was just be terrifying to see the, his stuff come at you. And you're like, yeah, sure. You're not going to hit me. Right. guy." Oh my gosh. I'd be like, put me in bubble wrap and we'll talk. Yeah, exactly. Or give me a plywood <laughs> cutout of yourself. Um, right, right. So one of the other things he was talking about, which uh, is really clear in this press conference and some of the coverage, was that he was really impressed with the Cubs' focus on family and how family-oriented they are, which I thought was great. He has a daughter who's apparently gone through multiple open-heart surgeries, um, and so it was really important to him to be in an area where she could receive awesome care. And I just thought that that spoke to what we've seen from the Cubs and Theo's front office before in terms of how they take care of players and how they really try to make sure that the entire family is taken care of. But that was a nice thing to see and what's not always been the kindest news cycle this year for the Cubs. Well, and I think it's important too to realize that, you know, he had a, he had conversations with a couple different people and he said that it's very well known that the culture of the Cubs, what it's all about and what they stand for. And, you know, that was no surprise to him. But when he was reached out to by Jason Hayward and then um, David Ross stood around and talked to him a while after a, a training session that he did a while back, you know, he, those things to him made a huge difference and were kind of like just, you know, sealing the deal for him. Cause he had said that he had interest all along, but never really moved forward on it. So I think it just, it speaks volumes about, um, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, at least the culture that they're trying to, to maintain. So, you know, we, we talk, we, we had a lot of negative things to say, in this off season, just based on other things. But I think it's important to always mention the good stuff too. Yeah, totally. And by Jason Hayward, by the way, the list of intangibles is just growing. It's not just rain delay speeches in game seven of the world series. He sent, um, you know, at a nice text exchange with Kimbrell here explaining what he thought of the culture and why he wanted him to be a cub. And apparently Kimbrell's response was, where do I live and what number am I going to wear? I, I mean, that's amazing. That is so amazing. Um, speaking of Jason Hayward, let's get into some baseball here that's been played over the last week. Uh, Jason Hayward has been kind of on fire and I love it. So over the last 14 days, 12 games, he is batting 325, 386, 525 and has a WRC plus of 142. Uh, and I am here for Jason Hayward heating up and it's kind of interesting because it hasn't gotten a ton of airtime, but he's definitely in one of his hot stretches right now. And I like it a lot. Well, I watched one of his at-bats last night that I was um, rather impressed with, and it stuck out to me. So I always talk about when I talk about Jason Hayward, because for a while there was not a whole lot to talk about offensively as far as, you know, he's spraying it all over the field or anything like that, but he makes very good contact. And if you hear that contact on him, you know, he's probably about to go off. And I've seen a lot of that. Well, one thing I was especially impressed with with this particular bet last night was he hit a ball that was right at his shoulders and just sliced it out to right center. And it was, I, I feel like for him, that was such a, a win because he really does not do well with high pitches like he's really been staying on the low side so for him to make that solid contact and not pop it straight up have it you know be driven out to right center it was really impressive and his contact everything you know he's his if you watch his movement before he's hitting the ball now there's little to no movement he does better when you see that when you start to see him you know wobbling the bat and getting his arm going and everything else that's when he has a hard time that's when you see him pop up a lot of balls or like 
soft ground outs and all that good stuff. So for him to have calmed that down and realize that's that's a thing for him, I was just I was thoroughly impressed. Like he battled off a couple of foul balls and then had that hit off a ball that he would normally have struck out on. So that made me happy and that shows me he's definitely he's he's warming up. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, he started off the season pretty hot and he's definitely warming up. The other player that seems to be really coming into his own over the last couple of weeks <laughs> is Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff position. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm going to get through the numbers and I'm going to, I promise I'm not going to do like an I told you so or anything like that. But over the last uh, 14 days, also 12 games, Kyle Schwarber is batting 283, 377, 609, and his WRC plus is 156 and we're never trading him. (laughs) He can't be traded. That's so awesome. Now, you know what? I, like I said, I am totally with you as long as, and these numbers are incredible. I don't imagine that he'll, he'll stay in this area forever, but if you know if they're somewhat near this and he's a productive leadoff like i told you yesterday or when we last um recorded if he's getting on base things happen he got on base the very first inning last night and ended up scoring a run i mean that's just and he took a walk like that's how he got on base so if he's getting on base he's setting the tone he's setting the tone early he's making things happen you know, his smart base running comes into play. Yeah, I love him in that spot if this is what he's doing. And, I, I you know, I'm seeing it now for a consistent few games, and I'm, I'm loving it. As long as he can do it, I'm here for it. I mean, he had, and I'm just going to jump ahead a little bit to game two since we're talking about Schwarber at the moment anyway, but he had another incredible at-bat. And this is the second time that he has taken an at-bat more than 10 pitches in 2019. On both occasions, he ended that at bat with a home run. The first time it was a 13 pitch at bat that ended with a home run. This time in game two on Saturday against the Cardinals, uh, it was an 11 pitch at bat that he ended with a home run. And I just, these don't, these at bats don't have to end with home runs for them to be successful, but it's just a nice punctuation mark for such a great at bat. I love seeing him foul off a ton of pitches. I love in particular that in both of those occasions, it was off relievers who had just come into the game. And so he's really giving the people behind him a chance to see a ton of the stuff that they're throwing. And it's always nice when it ends with a home run. <laughs> well, definitely. And I have to say, and I have to give a little shout out because I told him I would. I totally called that home run, by the way. I said <laughs> he was going to hit that home run. And every single time he hit a foul ball and it came to anywhere towards right field, I was like, ah, we're so close. We're so close. And there was a point when I'm like, okay, it's probably not going to happen now because he had fallen off a couple balls to right. And then he ended up hitting it. I called it. So I have to give a shout out to the guys that were sitting behind me in the bleachers, Tim, Matt, Mitch, Etai, and Nick. You guys told me you'd be listening. So you better be listening. Um, They were awesome. We had a great time with them, but they definitely heard me call that. So I called it. Awesome. And if you are listening, make sure you're following our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue and let us know that you're listening. Andy's new friends from the bleachers. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. I like them. Um, So nice guys. Yeah, let's finish up talking about game two while we're here, and then we'll bounce back to game one. But, you know, this was really a tale of two games, as Al put it in his recap on Bleed Cubby Blue. Lester started out not looking sharp at all. He gave up four runs in the first, and I was kind of like, oh, no, it's like Andy's anniversary game, and this is just not going well. And they came back. Lester really came back, looked like, you know, he gritted through a performance that was a little bit rocky, but he held them to those four runs. He gave the Cubs the outing that they needed so that it didn't completely decimate the bullpen. We already talked about how Kyle Schwarber 
um, tied it up in the fourth inning. And then the Cubs put together a really nice four-run sixth inning. And that was it. That was the ball game. And it was really nice to see them have a comeback win that was so solid to see Lester sort of like grind it out on the mound. He's such a gamer. That's just like what he does. And for the Cubs to come back and win that game. Well, the mistake that people make is that they get so caught up in the excitement of, you know, what's happening, regardless of it's the, if it's the first inning or the fifth inning. But when it's the first inning, like I am not, I, yes, I'm an emotional baseball watcher. I was not happy. It was a rough inning to watch, especially because Osuna hit a three-run home run and he was one that I said to look out for. So I'm like, I definitely don't want to be right about this, but I feel like I'm right about this. So. After that inning, I looked down at my husband who was sitting on the far other side of the bleachers because we were trying to like end cap our friends who had never been to the bleachers. My husband has been there many times with me. So I looked down at him and he's like, I'm not going to say anything because I know it's a long game. And I'm like, exactly. You can't say a word because you just know there's a lot of baseball for that to happen all in the top of the first. I'm like, this is going to be a much better game than it's looking like right now. So I had faith. I hate seeing that happen. Although it was kind of fun to see the Cardinals fans so high and then watch him just kind of like, you know, sulk as the game went on and they you know were realizing that they probably weren't going to do much more so that part was a little entertaining but yeah I, I mean it definitely was two games 100% two games I mean Mr. Andy is a smart baseball guy and I appreciate his judgment uh it was really fun to see him as well and to hang out with him a little bit before the game he had a blast uh, and he loves my people and that's important and they love oh, him. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah, uh, it was nice, you know, and and shout out to the Cardinals fans that came up with Andy for the series. They really were good sports, hung out at the G-Man and saw our friend Danny Rocket and his uh, band, the Bleacher Bum Band. And they had some songs that were not, a, not particularly kind <laughs> to St. Louis and everybody took it in stride and it was a lot of fun. So that was a really great time and very appreciative of them for coming out and having a great Saturday baseball day, even if it took yes. Andy's voice. I, I probably, because they're my friends and I don't know if they listen, but I should probably name them. So Reed, Melanie, Jake, and Ashley, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they were awesome. It was really fun. Yeah, we had a good time. Um, let's go back to game one because I don't, I want to give Cole Hamels his due. He had an outstanding start. He threw eight innings, three hits, gave up no runs. And 10 strikeouts. And the strikeouts were awesome. They were a lot of the swinging variety. His stuff was just moving. It was really electric. In fact, the Pitching Ninja put together a video of all of his 10 strikeouts in 17 seconds, which we will tweet out from our Twitter account. It's an outstanding video. Cole Hamels is looking very much like an ace. Listen, I 10 strikeouts, I'll freaking take it. Like, that's amazing. So I have a confession about this game, though, because we were on the train headed to Chicago and the service was abysmal. I did not get to watch this game, which makes me sad. But I did get to see um, Dexter Fowler get picked off a first, which um, since he's wearing a Cardinals uniform made me happy. But yeah, I mean, it's I'm all about um, Cole Hamels and the 10 strikeouts. Like, that's a really big deal, I think, um, you know, because he's he's. I don't know 
if all 10 of these were swing and miss type strikeouts, but the fact that he's able to come up with that number, this offense was not terrible coming into Chicago. You know, they just had a win against Cincinnati and um, you kind of felt like against the Cubs last weekend, the Cardinals were starting to heat up a little bit and their bats were, were working for them. So for 10 Cole Hamels to come up with 10 strikeouts, I thought that's an awesome number. And that eight innings pitched is an even more awesome number. You don't think they were all 10 swinging for some reason. I want to say it was seven or eight, but he had really great stuff during the course of that outing. And I, I mean, I, I love watching Cole when he's on like that, his stuff, it, it's so good. That changeup is outstanding and, it's nice to see him, you know, running through a lineup that's really been hot lately. Um, in game three, okay, Kyle Hendricks, speaking of guys that are looking like aces, I know that he doesn't get that sort of like power pitcher. You know, he's not Noah Syndergaard and he's not Jacob DeGrom. He doesn't throw 98, but him and his like 85 mile per hour fastball are killing it and on Sunday night baseball he threw seven innings uh he gave up one run it and he going back to the start of May Kyle Hendricks has made eight starts he is six and oh he has gone at least six innings in seven of those starts in three of those starts he's gone at least eight innings and I just I cannot say enough good things about Kyle Hendricks he is really pitching out of his mind right now and one big thing that I read today that I think is definitely worth noting is that he, um, when, when interviewed last night after his start, he definitely gave a ton of credit to Wilson Contreras because he said there was just some things that were not working for him. There was, he was not getting a good read on guys. So to start with, he felt a little bit shaky, even though, you know, I mean, would we know that? Cause he's like poker face. So he said he felt shaky and like, he wasn't too sure on, on some pitches and Wilson like really took control and really just led him in the right direction. He gave Wilson a ton of credit. He's like, you know, I, I couldn't have done that without him. And I think that is such an important thing to notice be, when you have a catcher that you're so in tune with and a catcher that's so in tune with the, with the scouting reports and knowing the offense that's coming in and everything else. I mean, you just cannot beat having somebody like Wilson Contreras behind the plate. And, you know, Kyle Hendricks, he can hold his own. He's he's done a phenomenal job this this season thus far. But for him to outwardly say, I was struggling, I wasn't sure of some things, and he really guided me, I mean, that's huge to give that credit to your teammate. And obviously he deserves it. And I love seeing... I love seeing the both of them work together and you know that they well they work well when you know he's crediting his win to Wilson Contreras. I mean that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean I am always here for people complimenting Wilson Contreras. Uh the, Wilson and Javi also teamed up on one of my favorite plays in baseball which is the you know Wilson throw to Javi no look tag go sit down. <laughs> You're, you're that, was, that was so pretty that was so oh, pretty. the Contreras Tobias to dugout which is like the greatest play it's my favorite play in sports every they do it a lot and I and we're just spoiled by how often they do this but you know they were talking about this and credit to the ESPN broadcast for actually appreciating this play and understanding how awesome it truly is they are electric with that play Wilson is so fast in terms of his pop time his arm is deadly accurate and Javi Baez can tag like nobody in the game it's there's we don't even talk about it as a skill for anybody else and for Javi Baez it's Baez it's just amazing so did you um, um that was did great you happen, did you happen to notice when Ken Rosenthal was interviewing um 
Joe Madden, and he said, hey, so what was that little look over that Wilson Contreras did after he threw him out? Because he gave like a little look over and looked like he was taking a picture. And Joe's like, I don't know, who cares? But did you see that tag by Javi? <laughs> it was so awesome. He's like, he, he stood all the way back by the bag and took the tag where he was supposed to, and that's why he got him out, like totally just abolished his question was like no we're going to talk about something that really matters and that's how javi tagged him so right that, that we're not awesome. talking about looks to the dugout we're talking right. about tagging. exactly it was awesome <laughs> totally i love joe um I do too. other cool things from game three cargo hit his first home run as a cub which was really nice to see it was a basket shot but like still it's still a home run uh, and he's been great for the chicago cubs i've really enjoyed having carlos gonzalez's bat in that number five spot yeah, I mean, when we look back at his first home run as a Cub, no one's going to say it's a basket shot. So it's a home run, you know? Well, and there are a couple of fields that have such short porches these days that I feel like the basket is harder to hit it into than some of these fields. With Like, like looking at you, Yankee Stadium. Looking at you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. I think we're going to take a break right there for our sponsors. But we'll be back looking at the Cubs' John Lester-themed road trip out west. And we're back. Andy, did you see the coverage of the John Lester road trip? Okay. First of all, I have to wipe the drool from my mouth because I never <laughs> thought that I thought cowboys were cute until I saw this video this morning. And I was like, holy cow, these guys look so cute. All like, of I, them. All all of every them. single one of them. <laughs> Even Kyle Hendricks. Like Kyle Hendricks looks like he should be like the little, like, you know, the little guy like chasing the calves around or something. But I mean, they all looked Amazing. I have to give my biggest props, though, to Javi Baez and Pedro Strope, because those two were killing it, killing it. Like, I, I feel like I, I've like, I don't know, like we go to some like, you know, cow dude style ranch dance or something. And I would want them to ask me to dance like they were so cute. I'm like, I'm yeah. loving this. Pedro Strope definitely had that, like, I am a cowboy, but I am also at a nightclub look going on. Yeah. And it was pretty incredible. I was like, yeah. I don't know how you just pulled this off, but this is the most Strope Lester look I've ever seen. And it's outstanding. Oh, my gosh. Oh um, my gosh. I also okay. very much had to give, like, some props to Anthony Rizzo, who took this way more literally than everybody else and kind of poked some fun at John Lester with some fried chicken and some beer. Which that's a shout out to the old Boston days when there was like a million different stories about the collapse being because uh, Lester and Lackey and somebody else that I'm blanking out at the moment. I want to say Clay, Clay Buckholz were like hanging out in the clubhouse with chicken and beer during the games and that that was somehow the source of the Red Sox collapse, collapsing. Um, but I thought it was, you know, it speaks to the camaraderie of this team that uh, Rizzo okay. can have, can make like, can poke fun at Lester about that. Listen, I saw him and I was like, oh, I was, I was dying. Like that was the best thing I've ever seen. But more funny than that is going to be what Lester does to get Rizzo back. Cause you know, so oh, clearly, coming. you know, something's coming. Oh, clearly. Yeah. There's absolutely going to be a moment where John Lester exacts his revenge on Anthony Rizzo for that. And he also had on like these very patriotic shorts and it was just, it was a totally <laughs> ridiculous outfit. Everybody else so is in awesome. like bolo ties and cowboy hats and Rizzo is like, <laughs> I'm going to make fun of your worst moment. Oh my gosh. It's so great. So um, nice. But no, hopefully, you know, I, I love that Joe does these trips. They always give the fans something fun to look for. Cubs production put out a really nice video of the Western theme uh, trip. And you should check that out. It's on at Cubs. And yeah, that was definitely a great thing to see. 
Um, and they're headed west. So, you know, it was kind of nice to have like a Western themed road trip. Speaking of, the Cubs will take on the Colorado Rockies. Uh, it is Monday. So that game will be tonight. I believe it's at 740 Central Time. Yes, and we literally, right. is that right? Yes. Um, we literally just saw these guys. A lot of their players that were hot then are still hot now. Uh, but just to recap really quickly, um, David Dahl and Trevor Story are both killing it. They are just hitting out of their minds right now. And our old friend Daniel Murphy has also been on a pretty good tear for the last couple of weeks. Uh, what else are you looking for from the Rockies bats, Andy? Oh, geez. Um, hopefully they're, they've, they've cooled down a little bit. I mean, I, you know, this ballpark always kind of scares me. Um, totally. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. It's one of those, you know, parks that you're like, eh geez, we have to go there. We have to, you know, more so their, their offense right now, but our offense is definitely heated up to coming into this. So, um, you know, as long as we can, if we can keep it in the park with the guys that we have pitching. I think that we'll be fine. Um, and or you know, hit more home runs than them. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. David Dahl was definitely one that I was watching because towards the end of the last series with him, he was really heating up. He looked fantastic and was you know making great contact and you know being smart at the plate which against our pitchers is you know a good thing against any pitchers is a good thing but yeah he looked really good uh trevor story of course just you know killing the ball right now so hope we can keep him in the park too and murphy i just i, I don't like talking about him <laughs> I, <laughs> I, saw a video, I saw him i saw a video of him from a game maybe a day or two ago where um they were, I guess they were doing a voiceover on, on like lip reading thing on something where he was talking smack to the pitcher and he was like going in and out of the dugout, like starting, trying to start a fight. And, uh, I think it was against the Mets. I want to say, um, I don't know. It was, it was really ridiculous. And it just reminded me how big of a not nice person he is and how much I don't like him. So I would also like to see him be sat down quite a bit this series, but um, I understand he is heating up and I know how that goes. So, um, you know, we'll see these guys, like I said, there's a, there's quite a few of them. Arenado was um, kind of quiet during us the last series. So, um, so we'll see if that, if that happens. You know, I'm going to actually do a brief tangent here and we'll get back to the Rockies in a second. But since you were talking about people talking smack to pitchers, did you see this whole exchange between Madison Bumgarner and Max Muncie where Mad Bum basically threw a bad pitch and Muncie hit it into the ocean? Because <laughs> oh that's what I he does with bad pitches. Uh, but he like he started, you know, he kind of like watched the he watched the home run like you do, and then he like kind of walked a couple steps before he started jogging. And Mad Bum basically started yelling at him and chirping at him for having the audacity to hit a home run into the ocean. And you know what? If you hit a home run into the ocean, you get to watch it. That's the new baseball rule. You you get to watch it. Um. Yeah. And not only that, but it was probably the funniest thing. I don't I don't listen to a ton of interviews with Mad Bum, but I listened to this interview. And I mean, can he take the sack of marbles out of his mouth when he's talking? Like he literally, I think he puts like an entire can of chew in his mouth before he does an interview. And it's like the most ridiculous thing ever. I am not a huge fan of him. I kind of feel like he is, um, I don't know. Obviously he's a very good pitcher. That has nothing to do with why I'm not a fan of him. I just don't like, um, he's kind of a, I feel like he's kind of a bully. That word gets thrown around a lot, but I kind of feel like he is. Um, and then 
I saw the shirts that they made go get my ball out of the ocean and <laughs> only because they're powder blue would I ever consider buying one. But that is freaking awesome. If you ask me, that is amazing. Oh, it's a totally awesome shirt because apparently, you know, Mad Bum was telling Muncie that he should just go run the bases and whatnot. And Muncie's reply was, well, if you don't want me to look at the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean, which frankly doesn't make a ton of sense, but I like, <laughs> I like it as a retort. Right. Well, and not only that, but technically he's wrong. That's the golf, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, like, there's Zay, a bunch of technically the there that don't yeah. make any sense. Those shirts are available at RotoWare, by the way, and you should definitely check them out if you get a chance. I agree. I think that's a great shirt. And I'm not a huge Dodgers fan, but I like that particular shirt. Well, and poor San Francisco. I mean, they cannot just, they can't find a rhythm at all. I mean, they are not doing much offensively and they're just not having a good season. So I'm sure the frustration is boiling over with, with Mad Bum, you know, who's obviously a very good pitcher. And, um, you know, you kind of think that the chances of him going to the Dodgers are um, zero to none. <laughs> yeah, I imagine, I imagine that is not going to happen. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, Mad Bum just, I don't know, he's always trying to do this whole, like, police the fun in the game, and I just want him to chill out a little bit. Well, and I understand, he he was explaining in the interview that they were doing with him, and I will give him this. He said, well, they want us to let the kids play. They want us to let the kids have the personality and be who they want to be. Well, let me be who I want to be, and this is who I am. So you kind of feel like he's one of those crotchety old men, like he's just going to be, <laughs> like, very angry forever. And which is fine, whatever, do what you got to do. But yeah, at some point you might want to loosen up a little bit because, you know, you're, you're going to want a, a long career and, you know, you don't want to be thought of that way. So uh, speaking of pitchers, here are the pitching matchups for the Cubs series against the Rockies. Uh, you Darvish will go on Monday against Herman Marquez. Um, I don't, I don't even know what I think about you Darvish pitching in course field. I. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, this you could go very I well. Said. I mean, here's the thing. I, so when he is unhittable, he can string together a lot of innings, but I just worry that, you know, he relies on stuff that has a lot of movement and I just don't know how that plays at altitude. And I, I think that that kind of changes the movement of the ball. That's been something that pitchers have talked about at course fields for a long time. And I just can't imagine that that's going to go well. For our pal, you Darvish, but who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Fingers crossed. <laughs> the uh, Tuesday's game, which is also a seven forty start, which is a little bit later than we're used to here in the Midwest, um, is Jose Quintana versus our old pal Peter Lambert, who proved the whole like rookies doing rookie things against the Cubs last time. Um, and hopefully Q can have a nice start. I highly doubt that Lambert is going to be able to repeat what he did against the Cubs in his debut. I would put a lot of money on the fact that he wouldn't. He's not going to have another game like that. Not yeah, I think that the Cubs, yeah, I think that the Cubs are going to come out with a pretty nice game plan against Peter Lambert. And I hopefully they can uh, they can take that game from the Rockies. And then Wednesday's game is an afternoon game before the Cubs will head to LA to visit the NL leading Dodgers. Um, and on Wednesday's game, it will be Cole Hamels, who we just talked about a lot against Antonio Sensatella. Um, and Sensatella has struggled a bit this year. His ERA is at 4.95 and he hasn't really been striking out that many guys. Um, 
but we'll see. Like, you know, Coors Field is always a, a weird place to play and a weird place to pitch. So you never really know what you're going to get from these guys. Right. And Hamels is one, obviously, that we're just looking for him to just keep building on his previous success. I mean, he's he's been amazing and look for that again in, in Coors Field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else you're looking for in particular with this series, Andy? I think this is going to be um, one of those series where they really need to um, use this as kind of the catapult into L.A. because I think that L.A. series is going to be bigger than we anticipate. And, um, you know, we're, we're not going to have Kimbrel yet. So, you know, that we're going to have to get the same pitching that we've gotten, which is late into innings. So we can have more of a matchup type situation with our late guys. And I, I think it, you're going to see and feel a lot of play up playoff type baseball this weekend. So I think the Colorado series is going to be very important for us to start, um, you know, really putting some things together, fine tuning some things so we can, you know, bring some momentum into LA. It's important whether or not we want to, think about that right now in June, it is, it's a very important because we're going to look back at these series at the end of the season and, you know, see what happened, see who did what and who was where. And, you know, you, you don't think about those things right now in the moment because it is so early in the season, but it all does matter in the end. So Colorado, I think is going to be, like I said, a, a very important springboard type series for us that we need to get some stuff going and, you know, see some consistency and see some of our guys do big things. And um, I'm really hoping that's going to be the case. Yeah, the Cubs have been on a nice little run here. And, you know, it would have been nice if they could have uh, increased their lead over the Brewers, but the Brewers really took care of the Pirates. So that didn't quite happen. I agree with you. This is going to be an interesting series. You know, the Cubs played the Dodgers well when they played out in Chicago earlier this year. I think that there that did happen earlier this year right I'm trying to find yes. it on yes. my computer I'm like I yes. swear I went to those games okay I'm glad I'm not just I'm glad I'm not just making that up uh and I think that they can do it again I think that these are two teams that really match up well they both have strong starting pitching the Cubs bullpen is a little bit weaker than we'd like it to be right now but I think that with the addition of Kimbrell and people understanding that he's there it, it even looked better against the Cardinals, just sort of knowing that he was coming, right? Like I felt like that gave the bullpen a little bit of a boost and they were pitching a little bit more consistently and then um, keep, you know, just keep the bats hot, hot and do some damage in LA. Yeah. So the LA series was at the end of April. We took two out of three, obviously scored a total of, it looked like 15 runs against their six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. So, I mean, pretty even if you, if you look at it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think definitely that getting Kimbrel was a huge jolt to this team and, you know, it really shows them and tells them where everybody sees them going. So, you know, they, you just have to build on that. And like Strobe's emotion at the end of the game last night was phenomenal. Cause you could just feel it. Like you just knew that, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a relief to those guys in the late innings. Now they, they, they aren't used in so many multiple inning situations. It's more of a matchup type thing. And they're going to have somebody behind them. That's really going to, you know, shut things down. So it's a good feeling. And it, it really does tell you what your front office thinks of you. So that's always nice too. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, One other note that is not related to the Cubs uh, series against the Rockies or their upcoming games, but I just want to say um, on a personal note that I 
my, my heart is in Boston today. And I like the news last night about David Ortiz being shot in the Dominican Republic just almost broke me on my couch. I was sick to my stomach. I lived in Boston for six years. The Red Sox are my second favorite team. David Ortiz is responsible for one of the greatest moments I've ever seen in person. At a baseball game, I was at the 2013 ALCS game where he hit a grand slam and sent Tory Hunter over the wall. It was the loudest I've ever heard a ballpark. Fenway was shaking, and he's responsible for so many moments like that. And as a person who lived in Boston in 2013 when uh, the marathon bombing occurred and he had his moment, you know, saying this is our not safe for podcast city, um, I just – yeah, my heart has been kind of broken all day and I've been tearing up randomly and I've, you know, seen a lot of other people on Twitter who clearly feel the same. So I, I just speedy recovery and all the prayers to David Ortiz and his family and to all of the fans of the Red Sox because that it's just a heartbreaking and senseless crime. Oh, for sure. For sure. And if you hear any of the, any other, um, players talk about him or talk about this situation, you know, he has really been somebody that has touched a lot of people in a lot of different places. And um, he has quite the reputation of, of being such a, a super um, an exciting baseball player, but not only that, even better human, you know, and you hate hearing stuff like this happen and you just know that it's of no fault of his own. It was, you know, something that was, is, you know, obviously there's a lot of different, um, I don't want to say rumors swirling, but there's a lot sure. of different, you know, stories going around about what, what, what it was that happened. So, all, you know, all you can do is just lift him up and think about him and his family and and hope that, you know, he recovers quickly. Yeah. And I mean, I, the last I heard the Red Sox are actually sending a plane to get him. Uh, he's apparently stable enough to travel. They're going to fly him to the Boston area for medical care so that he can be under the care of the best doctors in the world. And I just, you know, I a, a person that I follow on Twitter um, who runs a website called Girl at the Game had mentioned, you know, that maybe Boston should wear number, everybody should wear number 34 tonight. And I don't know that that's going to happen, but it would be a nice tribute. It's just he's meant so much to that city and so much to baseball. And please get better soon, Poppy. <laughs> baseball yeah, I needs mean- you. The one thing that the one thing that this always reminds us and when stuff like this happens, it's unfortunate that it takes this to remind us. But, you know, baseball is a game. It's something that grown men play. You know, it's a sport. It's not life. And, you know, when stuff like this happens, whatever you can do to, you know, support and reach out and, you know, be a better human or, you know, show somebody that you're thinking about them. And it's not just about what you've done for a sport, but what you've done for a community, what you've done for a city, you know, that to me, I think that is a really, really a uh, positive thing to bring away from this because, you know, sometimes you just, you, you got to try and find the positive when stuff like this happens. And if that's, if that's what it is, I think that would be amazing. They should, they should definitely do that if they, if they can. Yeah. Sorry to like kind of end on a little bit of a down note that Andy and I will be watching to see, um, how the Cubs do in this series against the Rockies. We'll be back later this week to t- take a look back at that and look ahead to what is sure to be a clash of NL Division Titans as the Cubs head to Los Angeles. And we're going to have some late night baseball here this week, Andy. I hope you're up for it. Oh, my goodness. Let's talk about my voice. I hope my voice is up for it. <laughs> I, I'm seriously going to like airlift a whole bunch of tea and lemon and honey to St. Louis so that your voice can be back and happy. By the time we record again, I am sending prayers to your voice too. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. It's actually, this actually sounds worse than it did yesterday, which I'm not quite sure what that means, but hopefully it comes back shortly because I know there's people that are happy that it's not working correctly, but I, for one, would like to sound like a normal person again. (laughs) All right. So uh, we'll be back later this week on Thursday. And until then, everybody enjoy the, enjoy some good Cubs baseball out of course field and have a great one. Bye.